This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status, and Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah. He's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 184 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Tonight in Philadelphia, the Bruins got their... 63rd win of the season. They are now the winningest NHL team in regular in the regular season in the history of the NHL. Absolutely stunning, uh, amazing, literally history-making in the true sense of the word. Um, along the way, David Pasternak scored his uh, 58th, 59th, and 60th goals of the season. I mean... Miraculous, guys, truly. I mean, the, the, the narrative going into the season was the Bruins needed to tread water um, with a couple of key guys out for quite some time. I think I think they may have treaded water and maybe a little bit better than that, huh, Scott? Yeah, just incredible. And, you know, this game could have easily been one of those throwaways. Like, they tied the record last night. Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, Taylor Hall. Charlie McAvoy, Dmitry Orlov, Lena Salmark, all out. They call up a bunch of guys. You know, a few of them get in. Vinny Letary plays. Connor Carrick plays. Two guys who hadn't played a game yet this season, but have been good veterans down in Providence. Again, just like kind of speaking to organizational management, you know, rewarding two guys like that. Remember, Letary got called up earlier this year. And his first practice with the Bruins immediately suffered. And I believe it was a knee injury that knocked him out for several weeks. And he ends up back in Providence. Um, so it could have, it's Easter Sunday. Like it could have easily have just been a throwaway, come back home Tuesday and make some more history. Nope. Instead they go out and win. And Pasternak has developed a pretty incredible habit of, stepping up in these Sunday games on back-to-backs where, you know, a lot of the older guys sit and he just takes over. Um, 
obviously does it again today with a hat trick and gets to 60 goals. Only the second Bruin ever to do it joining Phyllis Bazito, just an incredible accomplishment. Um, you know, he could have had even more. I mean, he, he hit a post, he had a crossbar, he had a goal disallowed. Want... Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they end up getting the five, three win. Yeah, no, I, I, I was saying this before, like it, it's like this game went exactly how the Bruins would have written it themselves. Like Pasternak gets his 60th on a hat trick and uh, the Bruins break the NHL wins record. I you couldn't have had kind of a more meaningless game be so entertaining. Um, and so history breaking because of the season that this team is having, like it, it and it was mentioned by Taylor Hall and, and a few other guys after last game, if they weren't chasing these records, this would like, it wouldn't be entertaining hockey. Like if they were sitting somewhere in the middle, this would be a rest game, but it's not. Um, and we all knew that Pasternak was playing for 60. So he was going to travel. Um, he's a guy that you want to make sure is healthy and doesn't get injured before the playoffs, but he comes out and he looked like he could have scored 10. Um, and so he gets it done. He helps them get the win. And, it is kind of like they just refuse to lose, even when they don't have their top two centers. They don't have Charlie McAvoy. They don't, you know, they leave Hall back in Boston. They still don't have Felino and Forbert. They keep a lot of guys in Boston. And, you know, I'm not sure if this is still the case, Scott, but they were planning on sending a full team. They, they were sending, they were planning on kind of a full roster the last two games of the regular season in order to chase this down. And now that they already have it, I, I wonder is now the time that we see the rest or um, is there any reason at all left to put your, you know, your key guys in, in the last two games? Yeah. I, I think the plan is to play guys these last two games. And I, I don't think that was about chasing the record. I think that was make sure everyone's ready for the playoffs. You know, today, I think was the plan all along. I think was for t- today to be the last big rest day. And then most guys are going to play Tuesday and Thursday. Cause then you're off until Monday or Tuesday for game one. So they're not, I don't think they're going to want guys sitting, you know, a week or 10 days ahead of the playoffs. So I, I would certainly imagine pretty much the whole team's going to play Tuesday and then maybe they reevaluate uh, for Thursday in Montreal, but I, as of now, I would still expect most of the team to play that game as well. All right, so I want to keep it quickly just to this this 2022-2023 Bruins team as a whole just because of, like we've talked about, they've they've literally they've made history. Um, the league is over 100 years old, and and this this group of players is are the ones to to hold to hold the record books right now. Now, Maybe that record gets broken next year and somebody, I mean, to be fair, this, this Bruins team still has two more games to go. They could, they could get 65 wins this year. Um, maybe the record's broken next year by somebody, or maybe it lasts for another 50 years. So like, I just wanted to keep it to that team real quick and, 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 and bring up this question to you guys. Like what, what is it about this group this year that was, that they've been able to do something so special throughout the regular season so far? Is there one thing that stands out to you? Um, is it goaltending? Is it, Jim Montgomery bringing in a, a new lease on life. Is it the do it for Bergeron and Krejci? Is it, you know, what is it? Like, what do you guys feel it is? 
I would say a little bit of all of the above. Um, I think one, it's a super deep roster. And when you have Bergeron and Krejci signed for so little money, that allows you to do that. Um, I think the coaching change absolutely helped. Jim Montgomery has been good for this group and I think has generally brought, you know, helped bring some more, I don't know, positive vibes, a more offensive minded approach to the game. Like I think he's gotten the best out of, or gotten more out of some guys who, you know, struggled a little in Cassidy's system and struggled a little bit with Cassidy's messaging. Um, in retrospect, like it obviously was time for a change. They got that right. Um, leadership from Bergeron and Krejci and Marchand and Pasenak stepping up as a leader this year. McAvoy has worn the A a lot of games. He's embracing that role more. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, I think the motivation of wanting to do for Bergeron and Krejci, seeing those two guys come back, I think that absolutely helps as well. But ultimately, like the core of it to me is that they are just such a good team. Like they are just so deep and so loaded at every spot on the roster. Um, you mentioned the goaltending. That's a huge part of it. I've written about this, talked about it on here, how much better their goaltending is than the rest of the NHL, how far ahead of second place they are in terms of team safe percentage, how far over the league average they are. Like it's, it's historic. You know, no one has done that in like 40 years, been that much better than the rest of the league. So that's obviously a huge help. Um, and just ties into, again, they are elite up and down the roster. Like there's probably no team in the NHL that has, there's definitely no team in the NHL that's better goaltending than them. There's probably no team that has better forwards than them. And there's probably no team that has a better defense core than them. So add it all up and yeah, you're going to get a team that's going to rack up an awful lot of wins. Yeah. And, and Scott, you covered most of it, but I, I would just add that. Well, first, like the goaltending has, is a huge part of it that this is a goalie tandem that is just special. Um, they're both so good and, and they have a very unique, um, relationship that takes the pressure off both of them. Um, but on, on top of that, I guess the only thing I would add would be the professionalism that Montgomery has talked about with the players where obviously bringing in a new coach, um, did kind of give a fresh look on things, but he came in and they, the players kind of told him what was going on. And in a certain way, they were like, they already knew um, the kind of like the Bruins way, if you want to say that, like the Patriots way um, of professionalism that these guys had. They It starts from putting together a roster of guys with good character and filling in the pieces that you need to um, at the right time. And that's what Don Sweeney has done. So uh, the depth comes around some of these core guys that have such professionalism and character and are willing to take team discounts and are just so dedicated to this team and winning this championship this year. Um, with their, some of them with this maybe being their final run, like Bergeron and Krejci, um, we talked about 
you know, the last dance with them. I think they really put and everybody on the team sees it and wants to win for them. So uh, it's, it's a lot of things for sure. But I think if you boil it down, really, it's that every single guy knows their role and they're very professional and how they handle it and how they approach every day and every game. Yeah, as you guys have said, it's it's a, it's a little bit of everything for me. And Bridget, you touched on it briefly at the end there. Uh, the discounts for me in a in a in a hard cap world, I think like this Bruins team hasn't invented depth, right? They haven't invented high end scoring, like they they haven't invented uh, trying to win it for somebody in, in in particular. They haven't invented having a new coach in the first year, but it's all those things. But especially in a in a cap such a like hard cap era Bergeron and crazy as your number one and two centers allowing Don Sweeney to fill up the rest of this roster because they have come to the back to this team on one year deals at, you know, a penny on pennies on the dollar with the caveat being the, uh, the easy bonus but that that's for a different day. I think ultimately you're not talking about, the depth that this team has and, and the, uh, the motivation to win it for those guys, if they aren't coming back and aren't coming back for cheap. So, and then, um, and then the other main reason to me is the season that David Pasternak is having. And I wanted to, I wanted to bring this up to you guys. Like, I feel like I understand Connor McDavid has 150 plus points this year. And I am not going to sit here and say that he's not the MP of the NHL. But what I would ask you guys is, do you feel like David Pasternak isn't getting enough recognition for MVP votes or MVP honors when you consider the fact, and I know the Bruins team has a ton of depth, but when Pasternak has 42 more points than the next highest scoring Bruin and 30 more goals, then actually I think it might be, you know what, those numbers might be from before the Philly game. So those it might be 46 points more than the next highest score, and it might be 33 goals more than Bergeron. So regardless, I'd have to, I'd have to see if those stats are refreshed or not. But in any event, he is, without a doubt, like if it's not for David Pasternak, this team, who, I mean, they could, I mean, despite the depth, if he's having a 30-goal, 40-assist season with 70 points, this team might be a bubble playoff team for all we know. It's tough to really gauge because it's like, how can you, how can you go back in time and know? For sure, but I guess my question is to you guys: Do you feel like his his season from an MVP perspective is just being completely overshadowed by by Connor McDavid? It is, but I think unfortunately for Pasternak, Connor McDavid would overshadow just about anyone this season. Like, you know, he's having the best season since Mario Lemieux in the mid '90s, and that's. That's an MVP season. Like you do that, you win. You win MVP. I do think Pasternak will probably be. I think he'll finish second. He's going to get a lot of votes. Um, you know, I know there was a for a little while it was, you know, will Allmark get some MVP votes? Will those two kind of cancel each other out? I think the fact that the goalie rotation lasted as long as it did, basically, you know, almost like three quarters of the season. Uh, probably takes Allmark out of truly serious MVP consideration. Like I think he'll get, he'll probably get like some top five votes and, you know, and he'll finish somewhere in the top seven or eight, I would imagine. But Pasenak has probably separated himself as 
the runaway second place finisher because of 60 goals. He's now at 109 points. He'll probably top 110 pretty easily if he plays these last two games. Um, you know, I know Dreisaitl has more, but I think Dreisaitl obviously even more gets overshadowed by McDavid because they're teammates. So not being, you know, the top guy on your own team probably hurts him a little. Uh, Dreisaitl has also been, you know, it, I don't know if this should count as a bad thing, but he's gotten a bajillion power play points. I think he's actually closing in on the power play goals record. He might break that for a single season, um, which is impressive, but I do think five on five scoring is a little more valuable and a little less, you know, kind of team dependent. Like Leon Dreisaitl plays on a historically great power play. Um, so that probably works against him. So, you know, and then there's like, there's Matthew Kachuk. Uh, you know, there's other guys up there. Miko Rantanen for sure. But I would imagine Pasanak's going to finish second. And that's awesome. You know, being finishing second MVP voting is, you know, that's a damn good accomplishment. And it's just unfortunate that he's having such a great season in a year where Connor McDavid is making not just team history, but you know, doing stuff that the league hasn't seen in 30 years. Yeah. And if he does, if he didn't finish second in MVP voting, then you could really say, wow, how underappreciated underrated is David Posternock. But I don't see that happening. I, I think in these last few weeks, even he's gotten a little bit more attention than he had been getting during the middle part of the season when he was just as good, but because of this chase for goal number 60, um, and, you know, seeing his name, we, we saw it on the broadcast today, seeing his name and McDavid's name in the same stack, like, okay, here's this, here's 60, was it, McDavid has 64, Pasternak has 60, like they're right there, right with each other. Um, the fact that Pasternak has even remotely kept pace with McDavid this season and the season he's having is impressive. Um, you know, it stinks to not win it. I honestly don't think Pasternak cares that much. I think he just wants the cup. I think anyone would tell you, uh, and McDavid would tell you too, I'd rather have a cup than MVP. I'd rather have the cup than score the most goals this season or have 150 points or whatever it is. So at the end of the day, um, if if the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, Posnick does not care that he didn't win the MVP, that he came in second. And um, both of those guys would trade that in uh, in a second if it meant they had a Stanley Cup. So I'll, I'll ask you guys this. He's got 60 goals. There's two games left. Do you even risk injuring him in the final two games? I know he's played every game all year. Maybe he wants to do that for personal satisfaction and maybe get a couple more goals or whatnot. But, I mean, I don't know. With this conversation we just had, do you even risk him taking a shot off of an ankle or something like that? I mean, I I would because, as I said, like I want guys to be um... – I want guys to be ready to go for the playoffs and not be rusty. And I think if you're going to have him sit a full week, like eight days before game one, I do worry that like he's going to lose some time and he's on such a roll right now that I, I kind of want to keep that going. He, he looks healthy. As far as we know, he's, he's not dealing with anything. Yeah. Obviously anytime you throw a guy out there, like, I get it. There's always a risk of injury and yes, it would totally blow up in my face and the Bruins face. If 
he suffers a serious injury in these last two games. Like, yeah, it, it would be devastating. I get it. But I think, you know, I do think it's important to be building your game for the playoffs and to have some positive momentum. And I, I obviously you can't sit anyone and I get it. Like Pasternak is kind of the one above all the others uh, that, you know, if you're going to hold someone out just to be super, super, super cautious, he is the one, but I, I don't know. I, I guess you can say like, I would risk it, but I just think he's the way he's going and the way he's been able to stay healthy. He's avoided big hits. You're facing two teams that, you know, are out of it. Aren't playing with desperation. I know like things will, things will be chippy. Like those teams are going to want to beat the Bruins, but you would hope most of those guys have enough respect for the game to not, you know, be taking cheap shots at Pasenak or running him. Now I know one of the guys you're facing on Tuesday is Tom Wilson. So mm-hmm. like there's, there's the one that you circle and go now, hold on. I don't Maybe, Hey, look, Jim Montgomery has to get ready for playing matchups and getting matchups. He likes. So Tuesday night he can practice by making sure David Pasenak is not on the ice at the same time as Tom Wilson. Yeah, that would be, that would be disastrous. Uh, Tom Wilson, but <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, so think about it this way. There's still a few line combinations that the Bruins haven't seen that they want to go to in the playoffs um, that they have a chance to look at in these last two games of the regular season. So if they decide to play David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron the last two games, like j- just let's just say they have all the guys that are healthy available and will play. That means you're getting your normal first line of Marsh on Bergeron to Brusque. You're going to have the check line. And then that gives you the flexibility to try out what you've been wondering what it's going to look like since they added Bertuzzi, which is Hall Coyle Bertuzzi for the first time, not just in practice, but for the first time in a real game um, to see what that looks like and to see how all of your depth and all your trade deadline acquisitions look now that, you know, you've got Hall healthy and you have, you know, besides Felino and Forbert, you're healthy and able to put these things together and you want to see how it works and try it out at least once before the playoffs. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially that that third line combo, Bridget. I mean, is it would it be nice to see, like you said, the the full cupboard of uh, of players and toys on the ice at once for one game before the playoffs? Absolutely. Um, could they still get a, a look at a third look, uh, a third line or a line combination of of Hall, Coyle, and Bertuzzi without playing everybody else necessarily? Yeah, they could. But but to your point, that that rhythm of that that four line attack. It'd be nice to see all that, all that at play at once. Um, yeah, the injury, the injury bug, uh, trying to trying to avoid that the best you can is interesting. It's it's tough because uh, you don't want them to get rusty, like you mentioned, Scott. Um, it's just it's just after all of this, after all of this, all these sixty three wins, potentially sixty four or five wins, something better to happen that would just really, really. Uh, yeah, that'd be a tough pill to swallow if a key player went down because because they were playing in a meaningless game mm-hmm. um, after literally all the records are broken. So, um, but well, at the same time, just the points. Yeah, they're tied. Yeah. 
True. But. True. True. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I just, I feel like, um, I, I just, I'd rather just these guys get, get healthy for the playoffs. I mean, you can't avoid the sport, right? But I don't know. I guess we'll see how it plays out. Uh, starting on what's, what's the next game? There's a Tuesday. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, um, and I also think that if if Krejci's going to return for these last two games, then you're probably going to want to assuming your plan is to reunite the check line, which I think it is, you know, you probably want those guys to get at least a game together and, you know, just get the feel for playing with each other again. Like Krejci has missed the last four games, which, you know, isn't a ton, but it has been over a week since they've played together. And if they don't get another game before the playoffs, now you're talking about two weeks. So, you know, I think you'd also maybe want to keep Pasanaki in for that reason, um, just so that when Krejci gets back in, if he does this week, uh, it's with the guys he's going to be playing with and he can kind of get back in, get back into that rhythm. Yeah, my question was going to be, if we don't see Krejci in these last two games, are you guys concerned that it's more than just soreness? Because soreness has been the re- reported reason, the um, not even reported reason, the reason that the team is saying that he's been missing this time and it's not a serious injury, it's soreness. But I mean, if you don't see him for that extended amount of time, it's longer than a normal rest period. Um, and he doesn't play the last six games of the regular season. You guys, would you would that in your mind make you think it was more than just soreness? It would be a little bit concerning to me if he doesn't play either of his final games. I know Jim Montgomery has said, you know, basically everyone other than Felino or Forbert should be ready to go for game one, obviously, unless something happens between now and then. Um, so at no point has he given any indication that Krejci's in danger of having this linger into the playoffs. But yeah, like you know, you'd be talking about him missing the last week and a half, two weeks of the regular season at that point. And that's, that's not ideal. Like you, you just, you feel a lot better if he does play even just one of these final two games or if he plays both, obviously that's great. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any reason to believe that it's, you know, more serious than anyone's letting on. Like, I think he's, I think it's kind of just classic banged up. Like he, you know, I think soreness is, is right. Like he's just, he could probably play through it, but they want to give him time to heal and make sure it's as close to 100% as it's going to get before the playoffs. Um, But with that said, like, yes, I would feel better if he plays in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I can't really add anything to to what Scott said. It's um, Scott always takes all the points. He just like mm-hmm. steals all the points. He does, um, but he, he's he's a smart fellow. That's why. Um, yeah, to that point, like, it, it, would it be more? Going, concerning? going for the high score. 
would it be more concerning? Um, yeah, sure. But but I anticipate him playing in the playoffs regardless. Uh, I do feel comfortable that at least he's had this time to rest. Um, so, yeah, it would be more concerning. But um, I would like to see him play. And if he does play, then, then yeah, I'll feel a lot, of, a lot better about that situation. Uh, speaking of, of David Krejci, uh, he used to be the fourth highest scorer on the Bruins this year. But somebody has eclipsed him. And I'm curious if you guys know who it is at the top of your head. Pavel Zaka. That a girl. Pavel Zaka is the highest scoring Boston Bruin this year, not named David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron, or Brad Marchand. Just your thoughts on on uh, on that acquisition. I know we've talked about him a lot this year, but he got his he's gotten three goals in the last two games, uh, two against the Devils last uh, last night, and then um, his twenty first goal of the year this year to kind of ice the game, give the Bruins a two goal lead. Um, he's playing fantastic, and I know people were talking about maybe Scott. Somebody asked you online, like, do you keep that Bertuzzi Zaka Pasternak connection together? They've been so so good. Obviously, um, we all acknowledge that, but we also we would put that check line back together. But just your thoughts on Zaka so far. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been awesome. Like he he's certain I think everyone thought like all right, you hope a change of scenery helps him. You hope there's, you know, another level to his offense still to be unlocked. But this has certainly exceeded I think what anyone could have expected. Like I thought he would be a good third liner and you know, in upgrade over Hala in the sense that he would be a little more versatile, a little better on the wing, a little better playing on the third line, has a little more size, you know, better two-way game. Like, I thought all that, but I mean, he's, Brian, like you just mentioned the numbers, he's scoring like a legitimate top six forward. And Jim Montgomery called him that uh, on Saturday, said he's, he's a top six forward in this league and a damn good one. Like, that's, that is exactly what he has been this season. Um, we've seen him use a shot. We've seen him, you know, display very good vision passing. Uh, he He's responsible defensively when he's played center. You see him coming back deep into the D zone and, and, you know, doing work below the goal line when it's required. Like he's killed penalties. He's been good on the power play. We talked about how he looks in that bumper spot. I mean, all of it. Like it's it, the hope was that, you know, he would be really good on the wing this season and show you something that might make you believe, you know, he could be at least your number two center of the future. And he has certainly done both of those things, whether he's on the wing with Krejci and Pasternak or in the games that he's played center, like he, yeah, he deserves a spot in your top six now. And for for years to come if he keeps playing like this and if he can do it at center then he he will be one of your top two centers of the future well yeah and the impressive thing is he could be a top six forward in two ways he could be there on the wing or he could be there in the middle like he, he has all this versatility that makes him that has made him a top six center um this year and you know we're talking about being a top i mean a top six player this year and the potential to be a number one or number two center when Bergeron and Krejci retire, but we've seen that he can do it. And it was, it was a risk. It was a gamble to go after a guy who had a lot of upside was drafted number six overall, but um, hadn't panned out that way. Hadn't panned out like a number six overall pick when he was with New Jersey. And I think Scott on Sunday skate this morning, 
you or Razor said it was a win-win. Both New Jersey and Boston were happy with the way that that trade worked out in the offseason. But I think it was really four wins because I think Eric Hall is happier in New Jersey. Pavel Zaka could not possibly be happier in Boston where he already had an offseason home. Um, and he's having a great season here and he's playing for a team that might win the Stanley Cup. The Bruins clearly won, and the Devils also were happy with the deal. So it was a win-win-win-win um, in terms of that that trade and that move. And then to go to something else that you mentioned, Brian, in the same breath with um, talking about Pavel Zaka just keeping Bertuzzi with Pasternak. Um, Bertuzzi had three assists today, and he has become a really good setup guy for Pasternak. Obviously, we talk about Krejci being such a good setup guy Um for Pasternak, but we've seen Bertuzzi become accustomed to that role. Um, he set up that give and go or like um, two on one rush scoring opportunity that Pasternak scored on. And he always just, just seems to find him. Even on the, the Zaka goal, Bertuzzi finds Pasternak who slides it over to Zaka. So um, he's, it, it seems like he's always looking to, to dish it there for Pasternak and Obviously, Poss is such a good finisher. Um, Bertuzzi keeps adding up all these assists since he came over. I like how Bertuzzi and him play together. I really do. Um, I think you go with a check line, first of all. But it's such a good option to have. We <laughs> Throughout the season, we were talking about all these different combinations. And now all of a sudden, we're like, do you take Bertuzzi away from Pasternak? And I never thought, like, who would have thought that would be a sentence you would say and a question you would ask. Um, but it's a good problem to have. And it's a it's a matchup thing. If you want to get those two guys together at a certain point, you easily can. Well, I, I feel like it kind of has to be the check line because I don't know what you would do with David Krejci if those three were together. Exactly. <laughs> what would you do? Yeah, the, the 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 only idea that I had and that that someone tweeted at me is you would then go a third line of Hall, Krejci, Coil on right wing. Um, but the problem there is Coil hasn't played wing in any. Sort those of extended are, circumstances at all this season. Yeah, so. those are two centers that you're throwing. That's that would be that would be a line I definitely didn't think I was going to see this season. But the, the the crazy thing is, I feel like all of those lines would work. Um, it's not like that. No idea is a crazy idea on this Bruins team because it just seems to work. And it speak it just speaks to the depth and the talent that the, that this team has to offer. Right, guys are versatile. They have enough talent to adapt to whatever they're being asked to do. Um, so, yeah, as far as Bertuzzi goes, he's clearly looking very, very confident now in a Bruins uniform. He's, he's kind of shaked off those those trade deadline cobwebs. And, um, you know, just in addition to the assists and just looking more comfortable out there playmaking-wise, you can really see that comfort come out when he stands up for David Pasternak in a scrum. I think it was uh, Rasmus Ristolainen and that kind of gave – Pass like a little cross check and nothing crazy, but a little cross check after the whistle and Bertuzzi comes over, um, gives a little cross check back, and it's just a, it's just a, a sign of him being willing to mix it up because he obviously cares about his teammates, his new teammates in Boston. Obviously, Pass is a sixty goal scorer, so you don't touch him no matter what. But again, just that willingness to kind of be physically engaged in scrums, and it's just it's just it's good to see that because that is. Similar to Brad Marchand, I feel like when Tyler Bertuzzi is emotionally engaged, that's that's kind of his bread and butter. That's he's he's an emotional player, and he kind of seemed methodical uh, early on with Boston, just because he was getting acclimated to a new environment, new teammates, new system, all that stuff. But now, 
with comfort, just he's starting to show his his true colors and what makes him such a, um, a proficient uh, or efficient top six player. And they were kind of showing him and Pasta on the bench too a few times, just having fun together. Those two were just they were just enjoying their time, like talk uh, when they were on the bench. And actually, yesterday when I drove into the garden. Um, I had to stop and let Pasternak and Bertuzzi cross in front of me on my way in. So those two are coming in together. Um, and I was like, I was coming down the ramp and I was like, oh no, don't hit Pasternak. Um, so those two were, they were heading into the game together yesterday. I, I thought that they kind of looked like they've really gelled. Like what an unlikely friendship that's formed between these two guys. We, uh, we would have really been putting the whole no publicity is, is bad publicity to the test if the skate pod is making headlines because Bridget ran over David Posnock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I had to stop real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I was coming in. I was coming down the ramp and I was like, oh no. Um, honestly, I, I'd probably be trolling Bridget in the comment section if she did that. <laughs> Listen, I'm not great in parking garages, but I'm never going to hit Posnock. All right. I'll hit a pole. I've hit several poles. But I won't hit Boston. <laughs> so watch out, Marius Tchaikovsky. <laughs> oh God, no! Is that is that a Polish joke? Yes. <laughs> but no, no, I'm not gonna hit. He was it. he was the first, maybe only Polish player I could think of. But uh, yeah, you know. So on the on the Bertuzzi Zaka Pasenark line, I, I so after like after that tweet, just before we went on, like I looked up the numbers and actually at five and five. So they were really dominant Sunday. They were on, they scored four of the goals and they were also on for one against that Owen Tippett goal where the Bruins as a whole and that line in particular got caught in transition with a few too many guys up ice. Um, but their their five and five numbers weren't quite as dominant as I was expecting. So it's they're up six three in goal differential now, and the Corsi and expected goals and all that are like around fifty percent. So it was two two goal differential before Sunday. Um, but obviously they've also been together for a bunch of power play goals, which is I think what mm-hmm. you've really noticed there. Where you know you had Zaka setting up Pasternak or or setting up Bertuzzi or Pasenak and Bertuzzi combining. So you had some of those too. So like there is clearly chemistry there and, and those three play well together. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it makes, it makes too much sense though, to go back to the check line. And I, and again, like I do really want to see that Hall Coyle Bertuzzi line. Like I hope, I hope we see that these last two games, certainly at least one of them, um, because they haven't played together in a game yet. And Bertuzzi has played very little right wing for the Bruins. So like, that's, I know, you know, everyone says he can do it. He's done it before, but he has played mostly left wing, not just with the Bruins, but also with Detroit, like that is his natural position. So, you know, you don't really want to be testing that for like the first time in the playoffs. You ideally would do it this week. Uh, Regarding Taylor Hall, he, he, made his return to the lineup last night against New Jersey and he had been out for a little bit, significant time over a month. And he, he, he commented at practice before, um, before his, his, his return debut that uh, he was feeling really confident, feeling re-energized and that he, 
feels like he has a little bit more juice than other guys this time of year because of the duration he's been out. How did you guys feel that he fared in his return? Obviously, shaking off some cobwebs and whatnot, but initial thoughts just from seeing him back on the ice for the first time in game action. Well, I was I, like, I thought he played. I thought he played up to speed, right? I didn't think it was anything super special from him. I didn't think he was the most noticeable guy on the ice. Um, but he didn't look behind. He didn't look rusty. So that's a win. Um, what I was more interested in was what he had to say about how he thought he played, where his health was, you know, how he felt after the game. And he seemed to be pretty confident that he was at the speed he wanted to be at. And that, you know, he was ready for playoff pace um, and that he was feeling good and ready to get back in there and wasn't suffering any sort of, you know, setback or anything like that. And I, I, I mean, he was kind of getting mobbed after the game because there was obviously a lot of people wanting to talk to him. And I, I wanted to ask him like, well, do you want to play out the rest of the season or do you want to rest? And um, so obviously we get the answer today that the Bruins did rest him for the game. In Philadelphia, I expect him to play the last two games. I would think he would want to be in there the last two games, kind of like Brad Marchand. He's one of those guys who wants to play the last two games and get re- really get a better idea of where he's at um, heading into the playoffs. Because obviously he hasn't scored in a long time because he um, the last game he played before yesterday was February 25th. So um, it's been a long time uh, because of the injuries since he's been able to contribute a goal. So um, he's going to want to see that. I think he should and will play the last two games of the regular season. Um, I, I'm not concerned. I think it probably was true that he was on track and maybe ready to come back even before he did. Yeah. I, I mean, I obviously didn't get final clearance earlier. I think like, I don't really think they stretched it out any longer than, than they had to because we saw that they were able to activate him. They were able to move forward in Felino to LTIR. And they've known for a while that those two aren't going to be back before the end of the regular season. So they could have made that move at any point. Like, I, I think it was just they really wanted to make sure Hall checked, to, to use Jim Montgomery's terms, checked every box, was fully cleared, and, you know, wasn't going to be, wasn't, he wasn't going to be rushed back. And I think. He, more what I mean isn't that it's that if they needed to win, right, he could have come back sooner. Like if this is a team that was on the cusp of making the playoffs on the bubble, he probably could have and, and would have come back sooner. But because of the situation the Bruins are in, there's no need to rush. There's no need to clear guys before they're ready. So um, I guess that's just a distinction I would want to make that health wise. Yeah. If he really had to play and it was a, um, you know, a life or death situation for the Bruins heading into the playoffs he probably would have been cleared sooner. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and he said, like, he really wanted to make sure his return was either Toronto or New Jersey because he knew those would be, you know, higher intensity, higher caliber of opponent, um, playoff type games. And as it turned out, the New Jersey game was definitely higher intensity than the Toronto game. You know, we talked about that in the last podcast, like that that Leafs game lacked a little bit of juice for, for long stretches of it the New Jersey game didn't that that was a great game. Like that was, you know, I think regular season games are almost never at like playoff pace. So I'm not going to go that far, but like it, it was pretty darn close to, to playoff pace as far as 
regular season games go. So that was a good game to get him in there. And yeah, like you said, Bridget, mm-hmm. he, he, he felt like he, you know, was up to pace. He didn't fall behind and he didn't look behind. Like, like I thought he had some, he had some quieter shifts, but he had some really good ones too, where he was active in the offensive zone. He was protecting the puck. He was holding on to it. He got some good looks. He had four shots on goal. One was in a grade eight chance set up by Charlie Coyle that he just kind of partially whiffed. And that could be, you know, like players always say the thing that they need to get back the most come back from injury is their timing. Like that could have been a timing thing. So yeah, it's also going to be important for him to play these last two because you don't totally get your timing back in, in just one game. Scott, for, for Bruins fans listening who may not know the answer to this, Definitely not me. I, I obviously know the answer to the question I'm about to ask. Um, Bridget, don't tell Scott. I have no idea the answer. Um, for Nick Foligno and Derek Forbert, who just got put on LTIR, like what is that? What does that timetable look for them now? Like when? When? How long do they have to be on that for? How does that work? It, it just means they can't return in the regular season. Um, there's no added length of time. They've both been out long enough already to meet uh, the long-term IR you know, ramifications. I think it's 10 games and 24 days, I believe. So they're both good. LTIR can be retroactive to when they got injured. So they can return at playoffs. Um, again, it's just going to be a matter of when they're cleared and, you know, Bruins will do, we'll have to kind of balance, like, where are they going to play? And, you know, is there, knock on wood, like another injury that crops up that maybe causes them to, you know, try to move up the timeline a little bit. But um, yeah, as of now, they are, there's nothing preventing them from returning in the playoffs whenever they're ready. Brian knew that. Uh, I mean, yeah, I was just. I, Brian knew that. No, I, I know Brian knew 100% that. 100% knew that. Yeah. <laughs> um, For everybody else, that's, that's wondering, that's all. Re- reading. Between the lines a little bit, though, I will say that it's – I don't think either of these guys are going to be back game one of the playoffs, right? These are – this isn't a cap deferral. Like, this is – these guys are injured in a way that they're hopeful to come back for the first round and that this could be mid-first round. This could be, you know, at some point in the first round, but I don't think it's going to be game one of the first round based on some of the comments that Nick Felino made. Um, and he said, you know, he'll be pestering the doctors to clear him, but he doesn't want to come back until he's fully healthy either. So, um, and he, something that he shared, uh, before in the pregame before New Jersey was that, um, this is a really serious injury. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't just a little bit banged up. He said, I'm surprised I feel as good as I do now, considering how serious an injury this was for me. So, um, it's not like he's just waiting for that clearance. I do think there's still work for him to do before he's physically healthy enough to hundred percent where he needs to be um, for the playoffs. Um, and he's not, he's, you know, he's a veteran. He understands that he shouldn't come back unless he's hundred percent on this team that has healthy players that can go. Um, so I really do think that Forbert and Felino both aren't game one guys. I think we're looking mid first round. And I think even in some ways it sounded like the first round might be an optimistic um, timetable for them. 
Well, Forbert especially, because he hasn't even started skating with the team yet. He's done some skating on his own, but, you know, we'll see this week if he joins them in a no-contact jersey. But, like, at least Felino has been on the ice with the team in a no-contact jersey for for the past week now. So, like, that's at least a tangible sign of progress where you can see him out there skating with the guys doing some drills, obviously the non-contact ones. And like you can watch him skate and be like, oh yeah, he looks pretty good. Okay. He's cutting, he's stopping, starting, all that stuff. Um, with Forber, like we haven't seen that yet. So, um, you know, I, I would imagine it's a little longer for Forbert and Felino might be closer to whether it's game one or sometime in the early part of the first round, but he still has to be cleared out of the no contact and go through his final steps as well. So Felino's injury worries me a bit just because I feel like it can go one of two ways for him. Uh, like he was having such a bounce back season for Boston that I obviously fear that this break um, would be detrimental to his momentum. And you're going to, you're going to go from being on the shelf for, a month and a half, two months to jumping right back into NHL playoff action where his game is that type of hockey where he, he's gonna, he's not going to hop into a playoff game and not try to run guys to the boards, not trying to block shots, not trying to do whatever it takes to help his team win. And when you go from zero to a hundred like that, that worries me that he he's susceptible to maybe get an injury that he might not have had, had he not been, had he been in the lineup the last couple, like month and a half, two months, like maybe he'll pull something because it's, I don't know. That's, that's the pessimistic view I have, but the optimistic view I have is that hopefully maybe as an older guy whose game is energy and physicality, that maybe this time off could be a blessing in disguise where he's been able to heal some wounds, not just the one that he's mainly out for, but maybe some other nagging injuries that he had. And maybe um, he can hit the ice, hit the ground running, hit the ice running, um, like he did earlier in the season this year where he had a phenomenal start to the regular season. Maybe he's able to bob up all that energy uh, in an appropriate manner and, and be really effective come playoff time um, because he had a great, he had a great off season um, to get ready for this season. Maybe I'm sure he's had a similar training regimen as long as he was physically able to do so with this injury. So Felino is really, a, he's a, he's a big question mark. It can go one of two ways. Um, and if he if he comes back into the lineup and he's not offering what he's capable of offering, unfortunately for him, there are guys in the Bruins right now, like you mentioned, Bridget, like Lovego and Greer, and maybe even Frederick, if he has to go down to the fourth line because of the third line we were talking about earlier with Hall, Coyle, and Bertuzzi. So like there are guys that if if Felino's not bringing what Felino can, because he, he might be uh, prone to being on the ninth floor. So it's kind of a it's a big question mark for me with him. I just hope he can stay healthy regardless. Yeah, and you know, when I had Jake DeBrusque on last week, like obviously he had his own leg injury, and he said, you know, kind of like the last thing for him was like he didn't really know if his speed was going to be there. And obviously DeBrusque plays more of a speed game than Felino, but I think one of the things we saw. You know, and I think with DeBrus, we've seen like his speeds back now, and it has been for a while. But with Felino, even though like that's not the biggest part of his game, 
one of the things we saw earlier this season was that he did have some speed that wasn't there last year. Like him being healthier uh, allowed him to make plays off the rush, to to drive wide, to back off defenders. And if this injury has at all sapped some of that speed and he's playing at a slower pace close to what he was last year, well, then you might see a player who, you know, looks more like Nick Foligno of last year, and that was not the same player you were getting earlier this season. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a definitely a fair concern. Like, you – even though, yeah, like, he'll go out there and he'll bang bodies no matter how he's feeling. But if he's actually going to be the Nick Foligno who was – able to bring some offense and help drive that fourth line um, in terms of possession and playmaking, then he's going to need some of that speed that, that he had earlier this year. Yeah. And we've heard this multiple times from multiple different players, coaches that I think maybe it was Bertuzzi or Hathaway when they first came over at the deadline, they said, what's one of the things you notice right away about this team. And they said, how, how quick the transition game is. And when, you know, when you have a guy come back, you want him to be able to, be you know adding to that speed or keep up to that speed in the transition game that the Bruins have I, I think it was Bertuzzi saying it was the fastest transition game that he's ever seen the, fa- the fastest he's ever seen a team go through the neutral zone like that so um and when you think about who could be playing instead of Felino, you're talking about some guys that are are pretty quick like Frederick is quick um Blauco is quick um Greer even you know probably not as quick as those two but um you know, the transition game has kind of been one of those strong points for the Bruins all season. So um, that is where the speed would come in for Felino. So, guys, I have one more topic that I really wanted to ask you about, and it's it's a topic we've talked about before. Was it, honestly, wait, wait. Was it what did the Easter Bunny bring us for Easter? Um, it's not that. No, however. Okay. Scott Scott's afraid of the Easter Bunny bridges, so let's not talk about that on on air, please. Oh, okay. Sorry to the listeners. No, no sorry need to go that. there. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, Jesus Christ, Bridget. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I'm honestly reluctant to to and to see now. Now I want to start talking I, about. Easter. I think I, I think I said this last year, but I I honestly just when someone says the Easter Bunny. I honestly just think of Zidane Chara and any <laughs> costumes. What, what, why, do you, why do you think Scott's afraid of the Easter Bunny? That's why I brought it up. Oh, anyway. God. A big Slovakian Easter Bunny. Yeah. I actually, shout out. I was, I was in Andover earlier today, and maybe he's listening. Maybe he's not. But real quick, I just want to give – or maybe some of the listeners saw. I just want to give a quick shout out to – the grown man now is wearing an Easter bunny costume in downtown Andover today, just waving at people at, at red lights. I don't know if they lost a fantasy football bet or if they just really are into the spirit of Easter or whatnot. But um, man, that was, that was, that was, that was Scott. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to, he's trying to get over his fear by, you know, being, being the fear. You want to know who is the Easter bunny today? Melvin. Is Melvin, Melvin on camera? Can, can you show him on I don't have, No, he's taken. You think he's already asleep? But no, he has an Easter Bunny costume, of course. Uh, well, you know who's been asleep uh, the last month or so is Brad Marchand, and I was gonna kind of, I was there gonna kind of, leave, I was gonna kind of leave this maybe until the regular season ended because I feel like this is a conversation we could just push to to maybe then. 
But um, I'll just ask you guys. We've talked about it a lot lately, but how how important do you guys feel it is for Brad Marchand to, you know, maybe put one in the back of the net here in these last two games before the playoffs start? Do you, I mean, I know we're I know he's capable of of turning it around, but just from a from a psyche perspective, do you think it's very important for him to maybe get that off his back before playoffs? Can I go first? Go. Sorry, Scott. Um, so I actually requested him yesterday, um, post game, because I wanted to ask him a few things about like how he wants to finish out the regular season. And I actually thought he had a really good effort in New Jersey. He got a lot of shots on goal, especially in the first period. He kind of looked more like himself. Um, he's now at the point today, not scoring in the Philadelphia game where he's at 16 games without a goal, which is the second longest in his career. Um, the only longer streak for him now is his first season in 2009-2010, um, which he came up and played 20 games with the Bruins and didn't score a goal. So we're talking about something that has not happened to him since he was a rookie, since before people probably even knew who Brad Marchand was, before people were buying Brad Marchand jerseys. That's how long it's been since he's had this kind of a drought. And it is, I think I referenced this last podcast or the last time that we talked about Marshawn being in the slump, which is that the last time he was, which was eight years ago, he finished out the regular season scoring in the last two games. So obviously that is what he's looking to do here with games left against the Capitals um, and the Canadians. That would be the ideal situation for him to get on the board with a goal, at least one goal in the last two games. So he's going to want to play out. Just like I said, just how Taylor Hall has a reason to play out. Some of these guys, Marshawn, for Marshawn, it's to end the, the gold drought and to, you know, just build the confidence and, and prove to him and everybody else that he, you know, he has this next level to go to. Um, and he's not going to be someone who has, you know, he's disappeared um, in terms of goals for the last 16 games, but obviously the Bruins would love to have him back to his regular playoff form uh, in a week. And I, I'm also referenced this and I wrote it in my article that he's been the top Bruins goal scorer um, the last four playoffs. So it's important for, for him. These last few games are important. Um, it's kind of funny that we mentioned these could be meaningless games, but to a lot of guys, there's a lot of reasons why they're not. Yeah. I, yes. I think he could flip, flip the switch if that's what it comes to and look much better game one. But I think he would feel better if he gets one or two of these last two games. I think everyone else would feel better. I did think Saturday was a really good game for him. Uh, You know, he had five shots on goal in the first period alone. He was attacking. He was really active. I thought he looked confident with the puck on his stick. Even, you know, they only had the one power play, but he was moving a lot more than we've seen uh, at times in the past, you know, when the when that power play unit has been struggling. Um, so I thought that like, it almost looked to me like that was a game where he had flipped the switch, especially that first period where he just came out and you're like, this looks a lot more like vintage Brad Marchand. And then Sunday, he has a really quiet game, zero shots on goal, only two shot attempts. Now, you know, he doesn't have Bergeron as a center. They go with the Marshan coil DeBrusque, you know, with coil in the middle. And maybe that's a factor, but, um, you know, I talked about how, like, we've seen Pasternak really step up and take control when some of these 
some of the veterans are sitting out and Marchand hasn't really been able to do that. Now he doesn't, you know, a point razor has made numerous times is Martian doesn't have, you know, 60 goals or a hundred points or a career high or any of that staring him in the face to, to motivate him. Like for him, it really is all about playoffs and the Stanley cup. He knows, you know, not that he cares a ton about individual numbers and statistics anyways, but like that kind of stuff can provide a little extra motivation this time of year. If like, you know, you're closing in a career high or a milestone number and he doesn't have any of that. So maybe that's part of it, but you know, at the very least you want to see these last two games assuming he plays both, maybe he does get a rest game, but you want to see him playing like he was on Saturday. Like that felt like a bit of a turning of the corner and maybe it's just the back-to-back with travel got to him, but Sunday was definitely a step back from that. It was a much quieter game. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think he's not, not trying out there. Um, But I do think for sure that he has, uh, he has another level, another gear, and I actually, I, I, I believe he's going to find it. I, I, th- I think, I think round one game one, whether he scores or not, I think he's going to, his engagement level will be there and it's only going to be a matter of time. And if, and when he get, he puts one in the back of the net, especially if it's in the playoffs, um, I would say, I would say look out. Cause I, I think he'll be, I think, I think he'll be fine. I, I just think right now it's just, it's the, it's a combination of a, a slump, it's a slump during some meaningless games. I know they've been chasing the record. I get that. But I mean, as far as playoffs seeding goes, it's meaningless. Um, and, and, and I also think there's an element of like playing not to get hurt too. Uh, so I think he'll be fine. I do. Um, I guess we'll see, but his effort, his effort won't be questioned in the postseason. That's for sure. So um, I did have one question for you guys too before we sign off because we're approaching an hour. Did you happen to just one ask... last thing on on Marshand? Um, sorry, Brian. Before you shift gears, no, it's okay. I'm going to bed anyway. See you guys. <laughs> um, it, remember that you know Marshand was also one of the most vocal, especially like a couple months ago. That all the regular season records don't mean anything. It's all about the cup, and it's possible like he's changed his mind as they've actually approached them. But it's also possible that, like, he's like, okay, as one of the captains, yes, like, I will go along with this and I'll make sure guys are focused and, you know, yeah, make sure we have, you know, a carrot dangling in front of us for us to chase. But internally, like, he might still feel like 63 wins isn't really that important and 132 points isn't really that important. So that, like, I also think, like, that could be part of it where it's like, you know, he still has the playoffs as like his only focus and isn't, you know, like totally getting amped up to chase down these records. Unfortunately, Scott, I really don't think, I I do think he understands the, the importance of the record. I, I obviously think he would have preferred to not go into the playoffs on a 16 game goalless drought whether that meant breaking a record or not um he had that on he had you know he's carried that weight for a little bit um and 
yeah, like I said, whether it meant contributing to a team that was going to break a record or just make the playoffs or whatever, he personally has a higher standard for himself than to go that long without a goal. Um, now, did last year, did playoff Marshawn uh, keep the Bruins in games? Yes. Like, he was keeping them in some of those games in that Carolina series. Um, most goals, most assists, most points in that series of any Bruins. So, um there's a lot of reasons why it seems like just personality wise, history wise, it's not going to continue, but it is worth noting that it's his longest drought since his rookie season over 10 years ago. So since before the Bruins won their last cup. So um, we keep an eye on it. And I, I thought maybe Saturday he was going to get that goal. Um, He was coming out firing. Um, At least it seemed like he got the strategy right that game. So uh, I guess we'll see last two games. He's going to, he's not going to be someone who ramps down the intensity. I don't think. So I wanted to ask you guys this before we signed off. We, our debate last, last episode about the goalie rotation gave my opinion. Scott gave his opinion. Bridget gave her opinion. Um, I'm not going to say what their opinions were because my opinion was great with you. But I was curious if the former uh, Calder winner and former NHL goaltender you guys talked to on Sunday Skate on WEI, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Welcome for the plug. Um, Thank you. Did he happen to have an opinion on that matter? And if he did, whether it was on air or off air, and and I'm curious if he did, what what his opinion on that is. I mean, I I think Razor has generally been – he's more in your camp, Brian. Like, he – Hell yeah. wouldn't he wouldn't go with the strict rotation but he he said like he expects both to play at, at some point so okay. um yeah i think that it was one of the first sunday skates of the season where i actually like first pitched this idea and R- razor razor let me down easy he was like well it's not that crazy but he's i don't Canadian. think do it. that's why yeah he's a exactly nice yeah he's a nice guy <laughs> Now, Brian, uh, if you wanted yeah. to know the answer, you should have called in, right? Yes, I, I would have, um, mm-hmm. but it was Easter and I was with my family. So. Yeah, 617-779-7937. What's that line from Happy Gilmore? She's like, I would have, but I didn't have any money. <laughs> yeah. And now let's go to the Easter Bunny in Andover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's it going, guys? First time, long time. Love the show. Um yeah, anyway. And okay, so- Scott changed his mind a little bit. No, not changed his mind. He no, still kept his answer. But he seemed to have listened to some of the things we said about Florida um, potentially being a tougher team in the playoffs. I just want to update the standing. I got to refresh it. But as of right now when we're recording, it's Pittsburgh that's out of the playoffs. It's Florida and the Islanders, both with 91 points. Pittsburgh with 90 and each with two games left in the season. So theoretically, and I know Florida has a tougher schedule, and so that makes them le- least likely of the three to to make the playoffs. But if you think about it, it, if it, like I said, they all have two games left. If each team wins out, it's still Pittsburgh out of the playoffs. So they don't have their fate in their own hands right now. They are looking to watch if Florida 
or New York loses, as well as them having to win the next two games of the season. They have their opponents are bottom of the league opponents. I think they have Chicago, right, Scott? Um, They have easy last two games, but they still need both of those other teams to lose at least one game in order to make the playoffs. So their fate is not in their hands right now. Yeah, and I I said this on Sunday Skate, but I feel like that Penguins team could have a really awful loss in them. Like, they were alternating wins and losses and some really bad losses for a while, and now they have played a little better with their backs, like, truly up against the wall. Yeah. I'm not going to go so far as to predict that they lose. The hockey gods haven't told me that. Like, they they did tell me that Pasternak was... Do you have them on speed dial? Yeah, well, they told me that they come to me when they have information that they want me to disseminate to the masses. So they came to me Sunday God, afternoon. He's a hockey god. Yeah, they, they came to me Sunday afternoon and they told me that Pasternak was scoring multiple goals. I tweeted it out. I, I'm helping people. I told them, do with that information what you will. If you bet on Pasternak scoring multiple goals, you made some money. And that's because the hockey gods gave me that information. So... I'm not going to, no. they haven't quite told me that the Penguins are definitely losing one of these, but they're, I've got, I've got a little bit of a, of a feeling that they might, they might choke. They're playing Chicago and Columbus. I know it would be really embarrassing. Well, but here's the, my point is that they could win out and beat both of those teams and still not make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I know the hockey gods. I've talked to them too. The last time we, the last time we talked, I was like, I was like, I was like, God, I was like, I was doing a podcast there and, and, and a couple of my co-hosts were talking about doing a 50-50 goalie split and they, they they just started laughing. They were like, are they serious? I was like, I, I guess so. I don't know. Uh, ask them, I suppose. But um, I actually I actually predicted a Pashnak uh, two-goal game once upon a time to Scott in the playoffs and he came through with a two-goal game. Like, I think it was against the, uh, the Islanders maybe. But they end up losing the series, so whatever. Hockey God is real, Bridget. You should, you should pray to the Hockey Gods. Aren't you both just Nostradamus? I <laughs> know. <laughs> I mean, this is the second time in like two weeks I've had a Pasternak prediction go right. Yeah. So maybe I'm not praying hard enough. I don't know. They don't talk to me. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully they can uh, they can come through and give the Bruins a cup to 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 top off this in every sense of the word historic season that they're having. Because unfortunately, uh, with this record now, the the eyes are solely on that of the Boston Bruins in the world of hockey. Um, well, yeah, speaking but, of which, do you, do you remember who predicted the Bruins to win the cup before the season even started? I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I might. Not, I might know. I might know. I might not want to say it. Um, I also remember saying I didn't want to say it because I didn't want three Boston Bruins podcast hosts all saying the Bruins are going to win the cup because that would be kind of a, a homer stance. But yeah, I didn't want to yeah, be like fans of reporters. I'm just saying, you know, did did I talk to the hockey gods before that episode? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The hockey gods are telling me right now to end this podcast because Scott, <laughs> Scott's ego. I agree. I agree. He, right just, he keeps going. Guy, guy, guy. He must be an absolute genius for predicting that a sixty-goal score was going to score a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the ball's on you, Scott. My against, goodness, against the Flyers. Against the Flyers, who literally have been called up by their coach and GM all year about how embarrassing that their effort is. But you know what? Sheesh, you know what? I'm going to have Scott start picking my uh, my scratch tickets because he is on to something. He is on to something. Now, we, 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 Bridget and I won the lottery by having Scott as a part of this podcast. How's that, Scott? I, I uh, agree. You guys don't sure understand. Did. Nice about of you. course he agrees. 
Yeah, he agrees. He always agrees. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> uh, any, anything else to go over? I, I don't know if we had anything else to say. Congrats, yeah. Quinnipiac. Congrats to Connor. Oh, Clark. yes. Congrats. It feels like yesterday was like a year ago <laughs> that that happened. I was up in the press box with a Quinnipiac game on, on my laptop, and at, obviously at the Bruins, and just going back and forth. Crazy game. Crazy comeback. I watched the part of it that, like, the first period that I missed um, this morning. I tried to watch as much of the game as I could because um, I was catching bits and pieces of it out like live because we were at the Bruins, but um, incredible, incredible game by them to come back from trailing twice and score 10 seconds into overtime. Really well-deserved. I, I mean, first of all, Connor Clifton's definitely taking a victory lap right now. He was, they had him on the broadcast talking about it. He is like, there are some guys in the NHL that once they graduate college, never even pay attention to a single thing that their college team did again. Um, Connor Lifton is not one of those people. In fact, some, some have said he's annoying about it <laughs> and he will rub it in other guys' faces when Quinnipiac beats their team. So, uh, good for Connor Clifton. <laughs> good for Quinnipiac. I know Rod Brindamore was at the game. His son is, I believe the second line center for Quinnipiac. So he got the day off. Um, Carolina did play, but he went down to Tampa Bay to watch his son play, which is great. Um, makes my life easier that an ECAC team want it because next year I have more to talk about. So, and my color commentator is from Quinnipiac, so he can, you know, he'll be more pleasant. Yes. Congrats to the Bobcats. Scott, Scott's, Scott's not happy about it. His boys lost. No, BU didn't win nah. it. So it's okay. Always it's okay. UMass didn't either. It's still, it's still a very good first year for Jay Pandolfo. True. Very true. And right. Lane Hudson's coming back for a sophomore year. So that's, your, that's just your prediction. Uh, I feel pretty good about that. Hockey gods tell you. you asked, yeah. Did you oh, yeah hockey, hockey gods told me. Lane Hudson <laughs> and Macklin Celebrini. I feel like be... he sold his soul to the hockey gods or something. I just had a religious awakening. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Happy I mean, it Easter. is Easter after all. So. Happy Easter, Scott. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to get Scott. Maybe Bridget, maybe you can Photoshop's uh, Photoshop Scott's head onto the Divine Mercy, and that could be his new profile <laughs> picture instead of Scott's pops. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I need a halo there. You got to add a halo. All right, all right, all right. Um, Bridget, get your get your get your hand on that on that dial. Um, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you very soon. <laughs>